Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This episode of Silent Giants is brought to you by Ali. Ali, powered by Verizon locations, are developed by Verizon the world's leading technology company. In collaboration with Alley, a membership-only community workspace for creators. Each location is a community curated powered by the emerging technologies and thought leadership of Verizon. With Alley, Verizon is bridging the gap between startup and corporation by helping the community workspace build next-level ecosystems for entrepreneurs. Now, on to my episode with T. White. It's about selling yourself as a brand more than anything and, you know, understanding what your lane is, understanding who your audience is, anything that any business would have to do research about before, you know, embarking into a new endeavor. Yeah, yeah, check it out. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Uh, yeah. Everybody tuning in, you invited, you invited. No matter what mood you in, get excited, get excited. Everybody love the music, let me tell you how they do it. Whether writer or an agent, let me tell you how they made it. You are now talking to a silent giant. Wanna walk in their shoes, silent giants. Wanna study they moves, silent giants. Wanna know what they do, silent giants. Silent giants, y'all. <laughs> Welcome to the Silent Giants Podcast. A podcast highlighting the superstars behind your favorite superstars in creative industries. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. To keep up with the latest on the show, be sure to follow us on Instagram at, at SilentGiantsPodcast. To keep up with my life, music, and more, be sure to follow me as well at, at Corey Cambridge. This week's Silent Giant is T. White. T is a rapper and producer who has made an incredible career for himself in the world of sync licensing. T has had his music placed in shows and commercials, like Keeping Up with the Kardashians, Coca-Cola, McDonald's, and many more. In this conversation with T, he explains his upbringing, his career as an artist, and the world of sync licensing. He also shares valuable pieces of advice that musical artists can really benefit from. So, without further ado, let me introduce you to the rapper, the producer, sync licensing guru, my friend, the silent giant, T. White. So, keep this in mind as well. Do you need any more water? No, I'm good. How's your mic situation? Great. What's up, man? What's going on, T? What's going on, sir? How are you? Thank man. you for having me here, man. I'm, I'm honored to, to make, the, make the podcast, man. Dude, I, I'm, I'm honored to have you in the country. <laughs> hey, man, you know, I, I'm, life is about seeing as much of the world as you possibly can. Uh, where, where are you coming from? I saw you was in uh, France. Yeah, I was just in, um, in Cannes, the south of France. Um, Cannes Can Lion is a, it's a festival, it's an advertising festival, one of the biggest, well, the biggest advertising festival in the world where they hand out all the awards to the agencies that do the best work over the year. Um, and my agency is that's based in the UK is the official music partner for Can Lion. So, um, I got to go over there and, you know, basically like DJ all the official events and we, we play like every day there, um, host some of the biggest, like coolest parties. Um, it was, it was really awesome, man. Um, great, like 
professionally and just like, you know, it, like I was saying before, we were speaking earlier, it's always good where um, you can be working and it feel and look like a vacation. So there we go. You know, there we go. It was awesome. When, when work gets you a lot of Instagram likes, it's, it ain't too bad. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like I'm on the clock. Too, you know? <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So, uh, so T, I guess we've known each other now for two years. Yeah, two, for sure. It's been two years. It's been like two years. Damn. We, like two winters. Uh, <laughs> I met you the same. Hold on. Was it the same day as Cootie? Yeah, because I was with Cootie. Right. So yeah. same same day at Soul mm-hmm. House. Yep. Wow. Wow. Chicago, man, y'all run tight. We we stick together, and we always find each other when we're away, man. It, it's unbelievable. And it's funny, I met a lot of Chicago, my Chicago homies in New York because we know that people that leave are usually progressive. So, like, we always, like, find, or, I mean, and it's a small city, too, so we obviously had, like, found out about connections and mutual people that we knew, um, you know, from the city or whatever, but... Anytime there's a person like outside of the city, like there's usually some type of connection there or, you know, some type of relationship that can be built because we're definitely always, we take Chicago with us. We're always like ambassadors of the city no matter where we go. Because why, why do you think Chicago is a, such a, a, a mecca for creativity and talented people? Um, I feel like uh, we have a lot of influences from from all over. Like we're definitely in the Midwest, but like, there is a lot of like southern influence in Chicago. Um, like, I would say eighty percent of people, you know, of color from Chicago, have family that migrated from the south. Yeah. You know, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties. You know, like my family um, came from Mississippi. I couldn't be farther from from that. You know, but like you know, generations above me, like you know, they still have a connection there. So. Um, I feel like those influences can, com, uh, you know, combine with us actually being like a real city. So, like we, you know, we draw from like the East Coast. We draw from New York. Um, it's very cold, so we envy LA. You it's know, damn cold. <laughs> it's super cold. Y'all it's, envy New York. Yeah, I really. It's so you know, damn cold. I live in New York now. I've lived here for a while, and um, the winters here are like reasonable winters. Um, in Chicago, there can be like a two week period where it doesn't get above zero, and you have to like make life decisions about, like, do I really need toilet paper? Like, do I really need to eat? <laughs> like, can I improvise? Do I got, yeah, like, toilet paper, your ass is compromised. Like, can I, like, can I improvise? Like, do I need this towel? Like, um, no, but for real, though, it's, like, really cold. Like, and the city really doesn't stop because it's, like, I definitely can remember vivid memories of being, being like, nine years old. Like, this is some bullshit. I don't know. Can we curse on here? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. Fuck yeah. Uh, like, but this is nine-year-old tea. Like, just, like over it already like you know having dreams of like palm trees and you know i feel like honestly like i'm just realizing this now but like that probably was a spark of me like leaving uh chicago it's like that growing up and like being like i'm over the cold like that's like that was half of the thing that get me out of there to like kind of like start the path that i that i eventually became to 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 go about so shout out to the shout out to the winter yeah (laughs) chicago i mean I was there last summer, and by far one of the best, best American city. When I think oh, of yeah, when I think sure. of Chicago, it is the best American city. Mm-hmm. I don't look at uh, New York as an American city; yeah. I look at it as a global city. Absolutely, and I look at LA as like an entertainment city. Mm-hmm. Um, but when, when I'm in Chicago, I just feel just America all around. Absolutely, just baseball and sports and mm-hmm. delicious food. We love our sports teams, like you know. 
We love our food. We we're very proud. Yeah. Um, you know, all that stuff. Like, you know, and Chicagoans like take it with them. Like we're very, very super proud city. And so like describe your uh, what was it like for you growing up in Chicago? What was it like? Um, for me personally, man, like I had a lot of different dynamics. Like I was fortunate enough to, you know, have a really strong academic background when I was growing up. I went to like uh, magnet schools and, you know, so it was weird like for me going to school and seeing like diversity and like kind of being exposed to like a lot more things than the kids in my neighborhood did. Um and I wouldn't say right, it really caused a disconnect. They kind of just gave me the tools to be a, a chameleon like that. I Like, you know, those tools that I use to this day, being able to go in any environment and make everyone comfortable. You know, like, I feel like that's probably one of my biggest, like, um, strong suits, you know, um, is being able to, like, switch it on, switch it off, and, like, you know, be able to be a chameleon in any situation. So, you know, because there are different dynamics in Chicago. Um, but, you know... Growing up was, I had a very, like, I guess, normal childhood, you know, like, I got to ride my bike around, you know, like, there was, you know, some crazy things that I saw and were a part of and, you know, like, but at the same time, like, those those friends and those situations that weren't so great that I was in, like, I understand, you know, that they were good in all those people and, like, the a lot of things that happened, people were, like, kind of vi- victims of circumstances. Of course. Um, you know, because the same, the same guys that, you know, would get in trouble and, like, you know, cut class and, like, get in trouble for a little dumb shit, like, you know, that's because that's what their older brothers did and, like, you know, and their moms went around, their dads went around, but those were the same kids that I was watching, like, um, you know, anime with and stuff like that that were really, like, nerds like me, you know, but, right. um, you know one wrong decision and one, you know, a, a hanging with the wrong crowd, like, you know, that it was kind of a shame to see, like, certain people that, you know, I knew for sure had so much potential um, not be able to fulfill it for whatever reason or another, whether it was, you know, not staying in school or, like, having children and having to start working or, you know, just getting in trouble, you know, for, for doing some dumb shit, so... I was in sports, and you know that took a lot of my time. Um, but which you, you're a pretty good athlete, by the way. Uh, I mean, I try to stay in shape, man. You know, try to try to try to stay young. You, but you, you know, you know, Clay Thompson with Duncan, that's for sure. Oh, uh, you know, I I, <laughs> I, I try, man. I, I I'm surprised I can still get up there. But you know, I used to be a lot a lot better when I was younger, for sure. But that definitely opened a lot of doors for me too. Like being an athlete, getting to travel and play ball and stuff like that, and you know, I've been a a musician like all my life. Like I started playing the drums when I was three or four in my church, and um, that kind of transcended into me playing the piano. You know, around like ten or eleven, uh, more seriously. Um, I used to get in trouble um, for like doing little shit, like not taking the trash out, like regular like kids shit that you get in trouble for or whatever. And I couldn't do anything but go in my room and like play my keyboard. I couldn't like turn on the game or go outside. So that's kind of how I learned how to play the piano whenever I like did something silly or got in trouble or I was like, you know, you know, clowning around in class or something like that. And, you know, my mom would find out however. But um, um, like those times would transcend into me like doing that when when I wasn't in trouble, you know. So I got into that, and that's literally what I spend all my time on. Like, just I mean, 
it wasn't much more for like a 13, 14 year old to do. So, you know, like that was like, I didn't like play video games. Like it was like, I was just always making beats. That was my fun, you know, just figuring it out how to make what was in my head translate into like into something audible, you know? And so did you, did you want to be behind the scenes talent or in front of the scenes talent first? Was there like an order of operations or? I think the, the order came with us, um, you know, friends like always rapping and writing songs, you know, before I had the resources to, to make beats. And then it was more so making beats for ourselves uh, because like we didn't know how to like access anything besides downloading instrumentals off Napster, you know, yeah. like, uh, or whatever. Um, and, you know, later on over the next couple of years after I first started making beats, it really clicked to me like to make beats for other people. And, um, I sold my first beat uh, when I was 16, and I'll never forget it uh, because, like, I couldn't believe someone wanted to give me money for, like, something that I had made. You know, I, just, I used to just make these beat CDs, like, of, like, all these beats that I made and just, like, be listening to them or, like, like play them or we would, like, freestyle to them or whatever. And um, this one dude, I was in uh, Mr. Slick's chemistry class uh, when I was, like, 16, and uh, this dude, Dean, shout out to him. I don't know what he's up to now, but um, he was like, yo... Um, I want to buy one of these beats, man, up off of you or whatever. I'm working on an album. Um, and he was, my, he was like my, in my grade or whatever, but he was always like mad, like professional, <laughs> like, you know, so he just like came with the cash and I'm like, I didn't even know how to deliver it. Like, it was like, all right, it's yours. Like, you got it. Like, you know. Yo, you show cash. It's just yeah, yours, dog. It's yours. It's yours. And I came home with the money that day and my mom like asked me like, where'd you get this money? And I, she didn't, she didn't understand you know how that transaction happened or whatever she she kind of still doesn't really understand what i do but i mean uh, you would imagine at that time like yo what kind of drugs did you sell exactly you know <laughs> like, um so you know that was that was a small um episode but a lot of things started happening like around then from then that really gave me no choice which was kind of like a gift and a curse because it was like all right i'm very good at school. I can probably go to like any college and like, you know, do whatever I want. But now I know that this is realistic. It's not like just a dream. Like I I have cash in hand. Like I can go upgrade my equipment now. I can keep going from here. I, I understand this process now. So the moment that that cash touched my hand, it made it real for me. And I didn't have any other choice but to do anything from from that point on, whether it was inconvenient or not like that's just that, that kind of started my path did, uh, did you go to college yeah uh, where'd you go to school columbia columbia college in chicago okay um for music business and marketing so um because I, I think there's one thing about you that makes you different than you, you're almost like i can almost think of you as like tommy from martin mm-hmm. because you have a very well like diverse background as far as not just creating music and not just being a performer of music mm-hmm. but also knowing the 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 business aspect of the industry as well. Did college teach you that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, I will say, you know, I went to art school. It it was awesome. And the main thing that I got out of it more than anything were was my network because you had all these kids that had all these dreams and aspirations, and a lot of people were there because they 
their parents made them go to college. Like, you got to go somewhere. It's like, all right, if I'm going to go somewhere, I'm going to go to art school and kind of, like, try to further my craft. But um, a lot of people didn't make it. A lot of people lasted a year, two years maybe. Um, some people, it was because they got successful and they took off. And, you know, that actually happened, you know. So, uh, and for other reasons, some people just weren't built for more school. So, um the biggest thing college gave me was that network that I can pull up in like mostly any city and like I'll have a I, if I need to get in a studio, I'm I'm straight. If I need to a film director, I'm good. And or you know, a couch. Or or a couch. <laughs> like, you know, which actually like is kinda how I I moved, you know. Um that's literally how I moved. Um after after I got done with school. It's like I, that's kind of a crazy story too. But Cause did you did you move to LA? LA nope. for, I moved LA to Atlanta. Atlanta. So um, after school, uh, my roommate, at the time, he was a tour manager for this band. And they were going on tour in Europe uh, for three weeks. And um, he got to bring a guest. He was going to bring his brother, but his brother didn't want to go. He didn't really care about music and stuff like that. Uh, so he was like, yo, I feel really bad about wrecking your car. Um as long as you have your passport, you can just come with us on tour. Like, just three weeks. Like, if you get the time off work, like, you can come with us. Don't worry about anything. So, I'm super hyped. And I'm like, all right, tight. So, like, you know, I caught off all this time off work. And, um, like, maybe, like, four, three, three weeks before we were supposed to go on the trip, he gets fired from the band. So, I'm like, oh, damn. Um, so, I'm like, all right, I have all Wait, this. Three weeks, three weeks, three weeks, three or four weeks before the trip. Yeah, he gets, he gets fired, fired from the band. Yeah, and, and he's grand, through Nero's, yeah, and grandiose fashion. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a really big asshole involved. He was like a jerk. Um, I'm not gonna say any names, you but can't, you can't fire the man who had like yeah a tumor. It, yeah, it happened. Um, it definitely happened, which was that was a weird, crazy situation. However, um. I had all this time caught off of work, and I'm like, I'm going somewhere. And like, like I said before, like I have like a huge network from going to Columbia, so like friends like spread out everywhere. And um, so um, I was like, all right, since I have all this time off, I have to use anyway. I'm gonna go take little short trips, like and go like see some of my homies that like moved around, like New York and LA. You know, this particular trip, we went to like Atlanta for four days to visit one of my homies, and um, I went down there for four days. And within that four days, like, I'm meeting all these producers, all these artists, and, like, you know, just, like, walking around and, you know, just, like, getting in random situations, like, and I'm like, man, like, I don't have this in Chicago, like, these people aren't here, um, so, um... I remember this moment, like I, I'm, I go into the bathroom, like maybe like three days into the trip and my mom calls me. Um, it was just like the timing or whatever. And like, I'm like, yo, like, I think I'm going to move here. And she was just like, well, at least it's not as far as California. Like she didn't even question it. She just, she knew it was going to happen eventually. She was like, well, at least it's not as far as California. Cause I always said I was going to move to LA. So three weeks later, um, I transferred with my job and I moved to Atlanta and I hadn't lived in Chicago for seven years. So. Um, wow. It all spent, stemmed from my friend crashing my car. So um, I moved to Atlanta. Uh, my boy that I was visiting let me stay on his couch for a little bit. It was crazy how how it all transpired. And, you know, just sometimes you just need something out of the ordinary to happen to kind of give you that push, uh, that leap, you know, because that's all it took. I could have went at any time, you know. I could have went before then or in spite of that. But... You know, that series of events was what what led me to be in the position to realize that there was a ceiling for me in Chicago for my industry at the time. 
So I went down there and I got a, an internship at a studio, um, Tree Sound Studios. Shout out Tree Sound Studios because I knew that I could get discount studio time, and I also knew that I would have access to the schedule. So I would, you know, oh okay, Young Jeezy's gonna be here on Tuesday, or Ti is gonna be here on Thursday. So I would book a smaller room like for the whole day and just like play beats with the door open all day, super loud, acting like I was making some shit, just in, just so somebody could walk past and be like, oh, what you working on on that show? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you know, yeah. I have a bunch of records. What's that be? Yeah, you know, what I'm saying I have a bunch of records with these guys. You know, you know, a lot of them didn't come out. I have a couple of mixtape joints, but like those relationships from from that strategy. Got me to LA, you know, and that's how I, I started working in, in commercial production, like just from kind of like having the, the foresight to understand that you can put yourself in a right place, right time situation if you are kind of smart about it. Yeah. Is, so. is there is there a, uh, a big moment story from a, a studio session in, in Atlanta? I, it was, I remember like Crit used to come through the studio all the time, like um, Drake used to come through the studio all the time. Big Sean, um, Yellow Wolf used to come through the studio all the time. Um, sessions with, like the the in house producers there were Justice League, so okay. I got to literally watch Justice League make beats. Like you know, that was what I would do. Like you know, like I w- I wasn't getting paid; I was an intern, but I literally had to like rap the chords from like Rick sessions and shit like that. Like um, so, I got to learn a lot. Like you know. From that opportunity, like, you know, just being in there, you know, I might have to go make a, a Zaxby's or a Chick-fil-A run. But, like, when I got back, I still got to sit in that raw section, you know. So, right. Um, and I still have those relationships to this day. Like, that's why, like, people always wonder, like, man, you know everybody. It's like it's like the Slumdog Millionaire. It's like a, literally like a, a unique story about, like, how I have all these relationships. Like, um, so I, I attest that to just me kind of, like you know, putting myself in those situations. I'm like, I just need to be in a situation where if I can press play, then it's cracking. So, so you were, you were full-time hustling. Yeah. And doing the studio. Yeah. Insane. Insane. Yeah. And so what, what brought you to want to leave Atlanta and go to LA? Um, I had an opportunity. Our lease was up. Um, I was, I was working there and, you know, pretty much like I was pretty much like working maybe 15 hours a week, like at at my actual job yeah, and like doing creative stuff and working at the studio. And I started getting placements now, like we're not so great artists, but they were paying me. So I was like, you know, like, all right, I'll I'll take these dope boys money, you know, like, because they know that, you know, I work at tree sound. So it's like that, that kind of gave me some credibility, you know, there were a ton of artists in Atlanta, especially back in 2010. Like, it was another wave. And, like, people just had, however they got it, it was what it was. But, like, if I'm like, yo, I charge 500 a beat, I charge 750 a beat, they were like, oh, I got that shorty. That was like, you know, it was <laughs> it was a different culture than, like, in Chicago where everybody wanted something for free. And that's kind of why I think, like, Atlanta boomed and it has been booming is because, you know, it's it's not about how talented you are. It's about your execution, you know, and they, they understand that. Like, you know, like, all right, we need to buy this beat because we need to buy this beat. It's going to be a hit. We need to pay this PR company because they're going to get us popping. They're going to get us on the block. Like they, they understand that. And it's like a community thing instead of like crabs in a bucket, which, you know, that is, that is one thing I could say about Atlanta. I, I remember first time going down there and going to a club called Primetime. Mm-hmm. Ever heard of Primetime? 
Primal? Prime time. Prime time. I've probably been there. You know how like clubs change names all the time. It's probably it was something else. Yeah, yeah this 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 spot was not the glam spot. I think mm-hmm. it was really like the teenage club because I was like nineteen when yeah. I went. And they play nothing but Atlanta music. Nothing but Atlanta music. I remember the one song they did play was um Kanye Can't Tell Me Nothing. That was the only song that penetrated like the airwaves in this club. It was absolutely remarkable. So they definitely have a good scene about like keeping it very tight knit. And also too, there's like I think for most places as well in America, there's a a element of of race and economics that really tie in, mm-hmm. where black areas are poor areas, uh, Latino areas are poor areas. Atlanta's the only place I've ever been to. And of course you have like little pockets yeah, in Harlem. Eighty eight percent black. Like it's like that's but, where but, you go. It's like, you know economic layers mm-hmm. of black. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Where it could be extremely poor, mm-hmm. but then there could be like the black middle class. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a black upper middle class. Mm-hmm. And there's like black wealth. Oh, yep. And Absolutely. like you actually see black people in like like different positions mm-hmm. uh, that you don't really see at other places around the country. Yep. And so I think that has a lot to do as well with the the economy. For sure. Like the the distribution of wealth was a little different there. So you did have, you know, people that had money that can understand it, you know, the people, you know, and not even like illegal. Like they ha- I had some people, like people that used to shout with me that were like, they just like flipped houses and like they just had a bunch of bread and wanted to rap because like that's how they would get the bitches. Like, and I'm like, all right, I can get you the bitches. Give me a thousand dollars for this track. Like, <laughs> and they're like, yo, word, dog. Yo, I just cut you know, some lumber today, dog. You know, exactly. So like literally for real, like they just had regular jobs and like had bread and the cost of living there is like dirt cheap. super cheap like you know like how I was living down there like I would probably pay like five times as much like to live the way that I was living down there here in New York now but um you know um I got an opportunity to go to LA um I was working with I eventually left my job um and you know that was a very liberating moment. Um, no more T-Mobile, man. No, you know, I, <laughs> I missed my free cell phone bill, but, you know. Besides that. Um, that was, you know, I, I started working with a, um, a commercial production company and, like, basically just doing the audio for, for them, um, whether it was custom music or just, like, um, audio mixing for, like, the commercials they shot or, you know, whatever, or, like, helping them with music videos they shot. Um, but... I was able to do that freelance, and then that company actually got bought and uh, was asked to move to California, and I, I got to go with them. So um, that's how, that's what got me to California. And once I got to California, um, there was it was just a unique time that I got to be out there where um, I, I never needed to get another job, you know. Um, and that's when I got introduced into the licensing world, and that's kind of like the next chapter um, when yeah. I got to L.A. Okay, I think that's that's a story that makes you extremely unique, is that mm-hmm. you have this this creative side of you, but you also have this business side of you as well. And, like, explain me the story of how you got like, introduced to that world of, like, music licensing in Los Angeles. Um, well, the first time I went to L.A. to visit, um, this is before I had moved to Atlanta, um, I went to this party, um, and... I met this dude and we're talking. It's like, you know, middle-aged dude. Like, um, he he had been living in L.A. for like 10 years. And he kind of just introduced us to the world, to that world. And he was like, yo, send me your music. Um, 
And, you know, I, I place music in uh, TV, film, commercial, stuff like that. So it's like, all right, whatever, cool. He's like, because we were there um, because some, some people had heard of our, our music before. We, I mean, even like all throughout me being in Chicago, we were making music. People knew who you were. We used to have parties. We used to have shows. Like we had like a fan base, like dating back to like 2006. Like people, like I can still go to Chicago and people be like, man, that party you guys had in 08 was crazy. Like it's, it was like that. So, you know, we, we branched out. We made it to, to LA. Like we got invited to this party. So I get this dude, like, you know, like he had, a, um, he set up an FCP account for us to like just drop music in there. It, it was what it was. Like a lot of time passed. It wasn't until um, I was literally packing to move to L.A., to drive cross country to L.A. He hit me back and he was like, um, they want to use three of your songs in this MTV show. And like literally from that point on, like from that was in 2011, from that point on, we went on to get uh, over 70 placements Like it was just like It just like Just kept coming Like you know Like music supervisors That like asked for more music Like And It literally just kept coming And there was always An ass kept check Coming in the mail Every quarter Like you know So That enabled us to To kind of like Live off music And that was when It kind of switched When we were able to like Use that to reinvest And you know Kind of like parlay And like start to Kind of build our brand And um And, and so So this This guy Was he like being your your manager, he he was more so like a consultant. So he would definitely take a percentage, um, which at the time it was like you know we were of the mindset that you know a hundred percent of zero is zero. So like whatever oh, yeah. you know whatever he wanted to take, we probably could have uh, been a little more savvy uh, negotiating. But you know we were you know twenty one, twenty two. It was just kind of happy to be there at the time. You know. Um, we were getting paid for our, our work, you know, it was like very exciting. And uh, on top of that, you know, having your music on television, is like a free commercial. It's like, you know, we didn't have the infrastructure to take advantage of it in the early days, but eventually like we got really smart about it. Like if, if my song is going to be in Keeping Up With The Kardashians, I need to have that song ready to go. So if someone shazams it, you know, two million people are watching this show. If 1% of those people buy the song for a dollar, that could be another 10, 20 stacks just in the bank, just off rip, you know? So um, that's how we just strategize with licensing. Like, that was, the actual licensing was was one element. We get eventually paid on the back end off that. Sometimes, you know, on the front end, depending on what the project is. But being able to use that as, like, a marketing tool um, was really how we got to, like, level up and use that platform to do other things, like, as far as, like, brand partnerships and, you know, even just to work with other artists, you know, um, it kind of just gave us some credibility, like, you know, millions of people have heard our music, so, you know, not, not a lot of people know that, not a lot of people can say that, so... I mean, I can and I can prove it, you know, um, just pulling up the ASCAP sheets of like all the shows that we've been on between, you know, Jersey Shore, Keeping Up with the Kardashians, Coca-Cola commercials, um, uh, all these random ads, you know, um, and it's crazy, you know, how far we've come from that that chance meeting at a party in L.A. to, you know, eventually doing custom work for uh, a kid's show that just won a daytime Emmy, you know, we were, we were waiting wow. for ours in the mail. So, um, you know, we going to Sizzler. Hey, we're going to Sizzler, <laughs> you know. And that, and- 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. That's, that's one of those things where it's like, all right, mom, this is what I do, you know. So, like, maybe you can understand now this is tangible. We got this Emmy, you know. So And, and so I want to – you stumbled into the licensing world by accident. But for someone who is not in the licensing world and not having experience being in it, mm-hmm. how, would you, how would you recommend an artist to get involved in that industry? Um, there are a lot of, like, avenues. I would say, like, one would be to partner with – a licensing company that could um, basically shop your your catalog in, in their catalog. Okay. Um, you know, there are a lot of agencies that you can work with um, that they, they, I mean, they need your music. They need artists to work with to, to represent because, like, their clients are always asking for something new and fresh. I mean, like, your music has to be good. It has to be, you know... It doesn't have to, when people are like, how do what type of music should I make? Make whatever you make, because like that. Don't don't try to you know create something that you think they want, because they always want your your you. your truest you know form of music. You know they want real artists. So um, with that said, you can also reach out to music supervisors, um, especially like for like film and TV. Um, and all this is like readily available online. You can research it. You can get like you can type in like top music supervisors in New York, top music supervisors in LA. And like, it'll give you some real information where you can like reach out to these people um, and kind of be strategic about how you reach out. You can go to like events, like there are always events, like um, like networking events where all these people are going to be, you find out who they are. Um, you know, you got to sell yourself, you know, kind of to get into, you know, their graces and you know just on their radar at all and you know you can always send them something but you never know when that when they might need what you the type of music that you make so you can you can be making like russian polka music and it could be the most obscure thing ever but they'll get a request for like a huge movie where they need that for a particular scene and it's like oh man that dude that kept hitting me up like let me hit him back now because now i need what he makes so right you definitely have to be persistent like um We've pitched for so many things. You know, there have been, we got 70 placements, but there are like 7,000 no's, you know, <laughs> you know, or probably more, you know. So it's all about persistence. Like, it's like a lifestyle choice to be in this space. Cause if you're not passionate about it, you're gonna get frustrated. You're gonna, you should do something else because it's not ideal to put yourself through this torture, you know, if you're not, if this isn't what you love. So, you know. And, but, and, and now in your career, are, are you still, uh, do you have a manager? Do you still manage yourself? I have a team. Um, we have consultants that we work with. Um, 
But as far as, you know, managing our catalog, we definitely, like, you know, my, my partner Stefan in L.A., my partner Tamika in Chicago, like, you know, I like to handle just I, I would and I in, a, in an ideal world I would love to just like handle the creative but I also enjoy the business aspect of it and I do have a lot of business acumen so it's hard for me to um, not be involved in that process because I, I understand from both sides um, but we do have a team um, and you know I personally have like built all these relationships so like people hit me up directly and like I have the relationships um usually in 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 these situations I would um and I do like you know because I can't facilitate every request but like usually like the position I have is uh, it would be like a manager like that would be like hey what do you need I have all these artists now it's like what do you need I actually can make it and I actually have all these artists too you know like now it's not about um, me being able to deliver everything is personally. It's about me um, leading you to the right music, and that's what keeps people coming back. You know, like if I don't have it, I don't have it. But if I know someone that has it, then I still have it. You know? Okay. Okay. Because I, I, I'm the I'm the I'm the point of contact. So, because at what at what point now do you think that that music that the music industry, as far as record labels now. Uh, become a little less relevant now if more artists were funding themselves based on on licensing. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I mean like um cuz you're not you're not signed. Right? I'm not signed. We we have a couple like non-exclusive deals um like like a um agency like Extreme Music um my the agency that I work with now Audio Network like they just we just got signed up to do an album for them. Um they just we literally just today just received like the budget for the, doing the EP like so I gotta go to, yeah I gotta go to LA and start that project on Friday actually um so I mean so we're talking about record labels okay and record labels is it's a it's, and, and, and do you think based on where you are in your career as far as knowing licensing right because if you're able to to generate enough income mm-hmm. to fund yourself yeah your lifestyle yeah plus your own music mm-hmm. Do you think that's a, a a better route for newer artists to go than to? I, I sign definitely with a label? think it, it depends on the type of artist because, and I and I'm not saying that to say anything about myself, but like not a lot of artists have like the acumen that I have as far as like industry knowledge to know how to like navigate. So they will probably you know more than often they'll need some guidance. Um, with that said. You have all the tools out here. Um, like what a record label can provide to you in this day and age is money. <laughs> like you know, besides besides that, like you can piece together all of all the things that all the services that they will provide for you. And if you're a newer artist, you're not going to get to get all that attention. Like the way record labels work now is like. You you kind of already got to be established. You kind of got to already be hot, and a record label comes and just gives you that national push. Um, but it kind of depends. Like you got to weigh it out. You really have to see if it's worth it for you. Like if you're if you're an indie artist and you're doing well and you're you're doing shows, you're getting paid for your music, um, and a record label comes up and it's like, hey, we're gonna give you this, that, and the other. You really got to actually do that math to see if it might. Like even out because if you can still do what you're doing and own all of what you're creating, ownership is everything. And it might 
even out to where it makes more sense for you to stay independent. It might, you know, work out where it's like, all right, I know how to leverage uh, all the assets that come with signing with the label. Like, you know, for me, like, I know a lot from, like, coming up now, and I, I we get to do our own projects. I get paid off music, like, solely. Like, that's all I do, um, you know, among other things, you know. Um, but all things that I like to do, like all things that I choose to do, all things that I'm passionate about. But if a label were to come to me, it's like, all right, I know what I need from you. Um, and if we want to, it would have to be a partnership, you know, it would be a different type of situation than like an ideal, um, an old school label artist relationship. It would be like, I don't need this, that, and the other from you. I don't even want your people working on my project. I, I understand. I have everything in my head for the creative that I want, and and the the relationships and resources. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I have every I have everything that I need. I need um, money for execution. I might need your contacts at radio. I might need you know certain things that you guys can kind of push forward. But as far as you know things regarding creative um, and even like handling like management and business. It's like, you know, like I I can use that crutch of like having your name behind me, but you know, not only could I do this for myself, but like you should hire me to do this for your other artists. Cause like, you're not doing it very well. That's how I, that's my, my personal attitude. Like when, when I'm in labels and stuff like that and meeting with labels and seeing how they work and like having friends that work at labels. And it's like, you know, I'm not going to say it like in any names, but like my friend works at a huge label, like a very well-known label. And she was like, basically they have 25 people on staff, um, to do, like branding and basically like she was like your events are way better like you know like you're you're the content that you guys put out is way better it's like i don't know what the hell these people do all day um so with that said like if you you got to really be sure um who you're signing to like the teams that they have in place for you guys because um you you will be disappointed and you will like a lot of people like lose faith and 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 their passion because like they they get into a, a bad situation that just like totally sullies the experience you yeah. know i would rather be independent and like be very happy and do all the things that i want to do and figure it out and you know build organically it's like any business you know um and that's what you have to think of yourself as a business you know and i would i would say like a label coming in is the equivalent of like a small business getting bought out. Not so much like you know, artist development is like not a thing as much anymore. You know, it's like you're already popping, you already have a million views. It's like we know that we can sell you. Um, so it's like we want a piece of it. Um, and once you understand that that's what it is, it'll be a lot easier to negotiate with labels. Like you have to think of your every artist has to think of themselves as a small business and and operate that way. Like get a team around you. Um, you know, I, you might not be able to afford things, but you have friends that you know as a photographer you have that can follow you around and you know document so you can have content. And, you know, it's all about having content. And, you know, if content you're a serious, yeah, if you're a serious artist, you should be researching these things. You know. Um, the music is just one part of it. Um, and ultimately the music is becoming free. So it's about selling yourself as a brand more than anything. And, you know, understanding what your lane is, understanding who your audience is, anything that any business would have to do research about before, you know, embarking into a new endeavor. But I know that you also have, um, launched other, um, 
other careers. It's cool because, especially like in the licensing, um, like aspect of it, um, like me being like a music supervisor and 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 certain aspects, um, I get to give the opportunities to you know people who have the right music. So like that's not always me a lot of the times. Like probably way more than half of the times where uh, you know I'll, I'll get a music brief just to kind of like. Um, if you're not familiar with how music licensing is, I'll give like a, yeah, a general yeah, background. Yeah, do that, do that. So um, when there's a piece of content cre- being created, whether it's um, TV, film, or advertising, which would be commercial, or it could be TV commercial, it could be online branded content, whatever, it starts, um, the inception of it is like, you know, they have the idea for the spot, um, they have all the creative ideas, the creatives come together and like try to figure out what the premise of the commercial is, and, and some at some point along that time, there's the discussion of music. So they'll reach out to music agencies, companies, labels with these descriptive words that describe the music that they're looking for. Um, sometimes they will attach that with a reference song, which may be like uh, attachment to a song that the editor likes or like that, or that the creatives have in mind, like that they want the feel of the song to be like that. Um, if they don't use that particular song, it's because of a couple of reasons. Um, because it's just not all the way there, but it, it embodies the feeling of it. Two, because they can't afford it, because it's like a Rolling Stone song or something like that. Or they just want something um, a little more uh, custom fit. Or they just want some more options to see if there's something better um, than like the reference track. So... With that said, when something like that comes across my desk or in my email, um, I automatically, you know, I, I ask for them as much creative information as possible because, like, you know, directions change. So it's like, all right, send me um, if you have the 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 footage cut already, send that to me. Or if you have like storyboards, send that to me because um, it will help me to kind of like visualize a little bit more so I can make sure that I'm delivering options that actually make sense, you know, and the more information I have, the more calculated um, of uh, options that I can send back to you. Um, and one particular case, um, when I was working at a music agency, um, we got an opportunity to work on a project for a McDonald's for the Olympics, and um, they sent over all that information. They had the spot cut. It was awesome. Um, like, you, I would say if you watched the Olympics uh, that year, Sochi Olympics, uh, you probably saw that spot. Um, but they um, they sent over the spot with other music that's not that didn't make it obviously, and um, it just wasn't right. Um, it, it didn't match. It didn't. The pacing wasn't you know appropriate for for what the spot was. That was very vibrant and like fast moving and like high cuts. And, and are you talking with the? The director of the commercial at this point. Are you we're talking, we're to talking the agency. We're talking to the agency, but uh, you know sometimes uh, that's another thing. So um, these like creative briefs can either come like I would say like eighty five to ninety percent of the time are going to come from the agency that the brand hires to to work on their projects. Um, Sometimes in a rare case, which is better for music people, is to work directly with the brand because it's just like one less layer of um, critiques and you know cooks in the kitchen. Um, yeah. uh, because you know 
you'll have the agency people speaking on behalf of the client and then like by the time it gets to the client um, you know they'll give feedback to the agency and the agency reinterprets that feedback to the music people and it's just like it takes a long time that's why there are a lot of no's because there's just so much like room for error in, in that whole process um, but in this particular case, we were really close with the with the team um, that was working on this uh, on this brand's commercial. So um, we sent some options, and it was like you know we're we're basically telling um, the brand was McDonald's. We're basically telling McDonald's creative director that like their music direction is wrong, and it's like all right, we're gonna send this to see what they say. So luckily, they they agree with us, and you know the band that we. Um, suggested to them they had like 4,000 like hits on YouTube um, we got them the spot they got some money up front um, they got to you know move out of their parents basement you know proverbially and um, they went from 4,000 plays on YouTube to like 400,000 plays in like two to three weeks that the spot aired wow. and then you know two or three weeks later they got signed to Columbia Records wow so I mean, and that's just from like that plat that platform that you have. You know, if you can align yourself with a big brand in a in a cool way, in a non corny way, that can really launch you because it's it's like people they they literally make these media buys that like guaranteed this amount of people are going to see this in these prime time spots. So it's like you know, if I w- if I were a band, I would like pay to have my music in the right, situation exactly. like that, and they got paid for it, you know. So. You know, that's a whole nother area where artists don't understand that there's so much opportunity there. Um, and, and was that song? Uh, uh, did they did, did they reach out to to you and and your company, or did you discover that record? Uh, that re- we had that record just in our catalog, so that's why I said like for artists, like reach out to these music licensing companies because you never know when your song will fit because the all the opportunities go to those companies. So if they don't have your music, you know you if if you you can't play if you're you know if you're not in the game. So um, just. There will be, a, you know, don't don't think it's going to be turnkey. It's like, all right, I have my music in this library. I'm about to get all these things. It's like, but if you don't have it in there, you definitely won't. You right, know? right. So one beautiful thing about having you on the show is that a lot of artists aren't even aware mm-hmm. of the opportunity. I mean, I think the whole point of maybe even... I, I paid pop- for my college during, during licensing, you know, like, you know, I I was able to, you know have all these brand relationships that parlay into other areas of, of business for me where it's like, hey, I, I worked on this um this project for this brand. We want to do an event now. Can you can you sponsor us? Or can you, you know, we can maybe like do like, hey, we're shooting a video. Can you if we if we put this product in, um, can you give us like some money for the video? Like it's like it's a hustle, man. You gotta kinda figure it out. It's not black and white, like, you know, you have to be very resourceful. Um because it's a very fickle industry and it's a very changing in- industry, but at the same time, it's the Wild West. Like you can, the sky's the limit. Like there are, the access to entry is not how it used to be. Like you got a computer or you got uh, social media. Like you can reach people. You can have an audience. You can have a platform. You can build that organically, and you know brands can come to you once they see your how your execution is. You know. It's it's really I feel like it's a very encouraging time for music because, you know, 
there has never been a time where it was more likely for someone to come from nothing to something overnight. Um, and I know that that's, it's never overnight. It's like, you know, it's like you work 10 years and, you know, the right place, right time. But honestly, like you literally, you can make it overnight. You can go viral overnight and it's about how you maximize that platform. And execution. Mm-hmm. And so, so now you're living in New York. Now so, I'm living so, in New York. So you went from Chicago, Atlanta, L.A., and now life has brought you here when you're not in south of France. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And so uh, what, what inspired the move to New York? I honestly originally moved here for a girl. Hey. Um, and Sand to the beach. <laughs> didn't work out. Probably lasted a week after I moved here. Yeah, oh, wait, dude. <laughs> dude, you know what? Yo, I met a girl here. Uh, right before I moved, it's like I was living in Virginia, and mm-hmm. I've been here like seven months. And of course, she just seems—I mean, she was bad. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But like, you don't realize the plethora mm-hmm. that's here in New York. You know, oh, you, man. you don't know anything else. Oh man! And it's we, didn't, we lasted maybe a month, bro. A month. <laughs> I was like, why am I doing this? Yeah. Like, it, it, it was wild. However, I never thought that I would love New York the way I did. You know, I'm from Chicago. I would, I never really spent time here. And like living here is so much different than visiting because there's so many different dynamics to this city. Um, and I liked living in LA, um, but, and I like, I still like going to LA. I'm, a, I'm in LA often. I'm going to be there on Friday. Like, you know, I love to go out, out there to work. Um, but like living in the city is so inspiring because you have so many different people from so many walks of life. And like New York is the most, um, concentrated environment of progressive individuals. So the likelihood of you having like a worthwhile interaction is higher than anywhere in the world, I think, if, if that makes sense. It's like, you know, if you're here, you are a certain type of person. Like, because if you can't handle New York, you're going to go back to Kansas or wherever the fuck you're from, like, real quick. So, you know, there's a certain type of strength you have to have to even, like, deal with the city and, like, you know, being here, like I, I absorb all that energy, like and you know, it's inspiring for me, like as a as a songwriter, you know, like just like I see so many interactions, I see so many things, like I get inspired, you know, by different people in different walks of life, all like just cohabitating in this like you know, Manhattan is eight and a half by eleven mile, like you know, cesspool of just like everything, you know. It's I, I call it's it a, a city of I call options. It Adam. Yeah, <laughs> it's like an atom. An atom is small because New York's a very small city based on square mileage, mm-hmm. with a bunch of like electrons, protons, and neutrons like bouncing off each other, creating this like insane amount of energy. And that's kind of how I can think of New York. I think I think of LA as like mm, like just the dots connect slower. Yeah, just beep. Exactly. Like beep. <laughs> I mean, like there is a lot going on in LA. Like it's you know for sure. Um, especially like in entertainment and in music and entertainment. But I feel like New York is the place to grind. LA is the place to shine. And, you know, when I I don't want to be on vacation, you know, I like to, I like to be able to like have options and like, you know, outside of entertainment to like, I want to have friends in different fields, you know, like I want to be able to draw from that because, you know, if I'm around so many of my peers, like, how can I, like, um, make music for everyone? You know? Right. So. It, it's very, very true. Diversity of industry in New York mm-hmm. is amazing. And so what, what's, what's next for you, man? Oh, uh, man, right now, man, we've been uh, traveling a lot, like, promoting this new project. Um, 
like, you know, I have like a collective called Swim Team and um, we are basically just trying to use our platform to, you know, build our brand, to work with different artists and different brands, you know, basically as like a, um, a music strategist. So we have, you know, a big merch campaign that we're launching, uh, a music project where I guess you would, um, I would compare it to like, Timbaland shock value album type of album yeah. where we're going to put these projects out um, to promote our production and songwriting and you know I want people to be like man like I want that beat you know this is basically like to showcase you know what you can do with our work you like you know because if we can't do it ourselves and we we can't tell people we can do it for anyone else so you know we're we're just trying to do like high level execution with 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 our with our release. We just released a video. Um, you, uh, Google and YouTube were like gracious enough to let us like have our release at Google offices in New York. So that was really awesome. Um, YouTube support and that was it. with Janelle Crow. Yeah, Janelle that was Chicago out. That was my that, Janelle's the homie man. Yo, She's y'all, so y'all roll talented. tight, man. Let me tell you, I, they let us pick the openers, and I immediately was like, I hope Janelle's available. Like, so like she was available and she killed it, and you know that's the homie. Yeah, she, love she's fantastic. Her. She's so amazing. Um, like I'm like a legit fan. Um, aside from the Chicago connection, but that's a plus. <laughs> But T, man, it's a pleasure having you on the show. Man, thank you so much, man. You know, we got to do Soul House again when you're we, not traveling around the world. Do. Maybe Soul House to LA. We need some, we need some new... Soul House uh, Tokyo. We need some new Corey music out here in these streets, too. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. You know what? The podcast has been like... You, you touched on it earlier about content. Mm-hmm. And I realized that, you know what? Like, the best thing that I've... That most people say, like, yo, I, I, I went out to LA. Mm-hmm. And I met up with this guy, Joe 3H, to, who discovered uh, Kanye and tried mm-hmm. to get him on, on Capitol. And he said, he gave me some great advice. And I was like, I still make music. I'm still going to the studio. I'm still writing. But mostly writing for other people. And he says, yo, your music, I like it. But he was like, yo, you, you got to sell you. He was like. Oh, for sure. He's like, you are like the driving force for why you could sell music. And he was like, the podcast I think that's going to be dope. He was like, do this for a solid year. Like, let's talk about the progress you've made. You know what I mean? And Absolutely. I was like, you know what? I like that idea. It's all about having a platform. And the, when I learned that, like, it's when I approach this differently. Like, I'm always going to be making music as long as I'm inspired. But as long as I have a platform, at any given moment, I can just come through with, like, the best execution and like here we are you know and that's kind of like what we're building up to now like we've built this platform like people know about us for a myriad of things like you know we like to call it like the four tiers like music if you don't like the music you might like the images if you don't like the images you might like the visuals if you don't like the visuals you might like the merch um and at the end of the day if you like us then we'll always have something to connect you back to the brand as a whole so like we'll always have support like Yeah, so one hundred percent. I feel like now you can't be a one trick pony. No, like it has to be. A, a, people have to fall in love with you. You know, I, I call it mm-hmm. the Will Smith effect. Like, oh yeah, it doesn't matter what Will does because you just love Will. Absolutely, Will could be a politician. Someone was just talking. Uh, who was uh, Jesus and Mero? The show. Oh yeah, they mentioned something about uh, there was a guy on that I saw today when I was walking out the apartment. And the guy who was a guest on the show was like, yeah, man, I met Will Smith. And he was telling me the story, telling everyone the story of, of meeting Will. And he was like, Will just has this aura. Like, it's one of those things where, like, no matter what he was doing in his life, like, 
he was going to make it and you were going to buy into it because you bought into him. And so I think that's, I like what you're doing with your, uh, with your brand as well, of just being like, yo, I'm selling everything. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just the music. You're going to fall in love with several different aspects. And I want a swim team jacket, by the way. Speaking you. of merchandise. I got you. I got you. Yeah. I was reading something today <laughs> that said, like, you know, you can be successful um, a couple ways. Like, the very rare way is to be the best at one particular thing, which is relatively difficult. Or you can be top 25% of multiple different things and figure out how to put those together, whether that's like being one of the best chefs and also one of the best businessmen or like one of the best um, roller skaters and one of the best like digital marketers. Like you have to, it's all about like putting those things together to kind of like make something bigger. So, you know, like I, I, I feel like the space that we thrive in is, you know, being in that top 25% of multiple different areas, you know, cause like, you know, there's only one Quissy Jones, you know, there's only one Leonardo DiCaprio, but, you know, those guys um, are anomalies, you know, right. and I would obviously love to be an anomaly as well. And, and also, but also to the era that they were living in, which yeah. is totally different. Totally different. Like at that time, you know, I think there's only a handful of artists today where I look at and go, man, you're really kind of one dimensional. I can carry it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Kendrick is in, is in that ballpark mm-hmm. where he doesn't have to do interviews. He will never be in a movie. Mm-hmm. He he's just music. Mm-hmm. Um, but even like last night, I was watching the NBA awards and Drake mm-hmm. was hosting. Um, he did a good job too. He did do a good job. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I actually like Drake a lot in that in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, but come back to him being an actor. So him being an actor now hosting music obviously was probably you know the biggest of of, mm-hmm. of all of those clearly, but. Just having to, if people like you, you're going to be around a lot longer mm-hmm. because the sound of music could change. And if they didn't like you, they just like the song. He could host that for the next 10 years and they, be relevant. You know? <laughs> Sincerely, because mm-hmm. it was also the first annual. Mm-hmm. So once people just like, the key is to have people like you. And then from there, you can do whatever you want. You know, I think that's going to be the 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 turn away lesson of the of Absolutely. And like, just don't be an asshole. Like, and don't be a dick. <laughs> don't be a dick. Yeah, like, you know... If people genuinely like you for you, then you're doing something right. Like, you know, it's it's all about being a being yourself and and being good to people when even when it's inconvenient because it's always going to come back. Yeah. Like there is a lot of times where I could have been an asshole or not even just been an asshole, but just like not been as receptive. Exactly. And you know, it could have gave me some short term wins, but wins, but staying true to myself has given me way more, more blessings than like being shady could have ever done for me for sure so like just be a good person it's sometimes it's gonna be hard especially in this industry because it's a lot of people that aren't but um those people aren't gonna last and they're eventually gonna get exposed yeah and people will always your 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 reputation is everything so you'll be able to come back to someone if you haven't spoken to them in four years that hey i need something and it's like i got you of course i got you as opposed to like no you i know you're on bullshit (laughs) yeah so yeah do what you say you're gonna do. Hey, be a good person. It may end you. Uh, you may find yourself in cans. <laughs> that's how I got there. That's <laughs> a real. That's a real thing. <laughs> T, thank you so much for being on the show, right, man. man. Love you so much, brother. Yo, thank best you, of luck to you. Thank you, sir. You're, you're that dude. Trying, trying. Thank you so much to the Silent Giants behind this episode of the Silent Giants podcast. This episode has been mixed by Mark Bird of NBM Studios, located in Astoria, Queens. NYC's number one recording studio for music, podcasting, and other audio recordings. 
Be sure to follow them on Instagram at MBM Studios NYC. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge, signing off till next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.